Thank you for choosing the podcast of East Haven Baptist Church in Brookhaven, Mississippi. For more information on the ministries of East Haven and to access videos and sermon notes from our services, visit www.easthaven.net. Pray with me. Lord God, we come before you today, and we are thankful for this opportunity to gather together and worship, even though we may be in a different location, even though we may be in our homes or maybe in our vehicles parked somewhere watching or, or maybe we're at a friend's house, wherever it may be, Lord God, we, we recognize that where two or more are gathered together, you're in our midst. And so, Father, we thank you for the, uh, the privilege that we have and the opportunity that we have to come before you as a people. And so we, uh, we are glad to be gathered, even though we may be scattered. And we pray that today you would speak to our hearts, you would speak to our minds, that your truth would penetrate into the deepest level of our lives and that we would be transformed more and more into the likeness of Jesus because of it. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this morning, as we get started, uh, we are uh, meeting online. It's a little different. Actually, it's kind of a throwback to how we had been doing things uh, in the recent past. But uh, because of some uh, cases that we've had in our community here in the last few days, uh, the school systems, they have, uh, they've put a, a, a break in, basically, uh, online, or I'm sorry, an in-person break. And so now uh, their schools are meeting online until a time uh, in later November. And so we had some cases here that emerged here in the church. And so uh, despite our best efforts, and so we just wanted to keep everybody as safe as possible. And uh, we decided we would do online service this morning. Uh, we sent out a notice about that later uh, this past week on Friday. Just want everybody to be aware of that. Put it out on social media. And uh, we, we really wanted to be able to meet in person, but we also really wanted to keep our people as safe as possible. And so uh, be on the lookout for more announcements coming up this week uh, about what's coming up. We will not have a, a service tonight. We won't have any of our services on campus and if you have a small group that can meet online, we encourage you to do that. Your leader should have probably already reached out to you concerning that. We won't be having an online prayer service tonight. We're going to try to uh, keep as many of us out of uh, the building tonight because we have daycare coming in tomorrow. And so we're just going to try to keep everybody as safe as possible. But be watching your inbox. Be watching social media for any of the updates we'll be sending out. Also in your inbox this past Friday... When you receive that update, uh, and be sure to check your spam folder, you may have seen that in that update, I had mentioned what I had mentioned this past Sunday, which was Right Now Media and our church involvement with Right Now Media. If you look on your screen, you'll see a number that you can send a text to. And if you text that, that line of information to that number, you should receive a link. You should have already received a link if you were on our church email list last Sunday, as well as a link that you can click on, a clickable link in the email that I sent out on Friday as an update. So be sure to check your spam folders if you didn't get that already. I talked to our representative for Right Now Media just a little earlier this week, this past week, and she said that it was really remarkable 
how uh, East Haven has responded. A very large number of people had already signed in and created their free account. It's never going to cost you anything. It's completely and totally free. And so we encourage you to take advantage of the thousands of resources that right now media has online. A lot of our classes, uh, some of our small groups are already considering using that as the curriculum. And so we're looking forward to how God is going to use that in the days ahead. Well, today we're continuing our study. We're continuing our series called Dark Night, and we are at week four of this series. And we've been looking at when the dark night comes, when the hard seasons come, when the difficult times arise, and where is God in the midst of that? And then how do we respond in the middle of those dark nights? And so today I want us to look at the idea of when it seems like evil is winning. And in Psalm 37, we find the psalmist is wrestling with this very issue. David writes in Psalm 37, starting with verse 1, Fret not yourself because of evildoers. Be not envious of wrongdoers. For they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath Fret not yourself, it tends only to evil. So David is writing in Psalm 37, and clearly he is wrestling because David is looking at people around him. He's looking at people who are evildoers. He's looking at people who are wrongdoers. And he is saying that these individuals, they are definitely a problem. They're posing a problem for him emotionally. They're posing a problem for him so far as his peace is concerned. And David is beginning to think, maybe God is not involved in this. Where is God in the midst of all of this? And so now David looks at the word of God. He remembers the promises of God, but then he relates some things to us there in Psalm 37 that we can take away and we can use those in our life and we can use those as a truth, kind of a, a touchstone of truth that we can go back to and we can say, yes, God is completely and totally faithful, even in the midst of a time, even in the midst of a season where it seems like evil is winning. It doesn't take much to realize that it seems like evil is winning. You click on the news, you watch the news. And I don't mean the news just of the last few days. I'm talking about the news of the, the last few weeks, months, years. You look and you see that evil seems to be growing stronger and stronger and stronger. You see that evil begins to, to seem like it's, it's getting a toehold, not just a toehold, but kind of an outpost, a stronghold in our nation, in our world. And that is a reality that evil is extending its bounds, extending its boundaries. People are growing worse and worse. This is what the Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12. Indeed, all who desire to live God, a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. You don't see too many people using that and pulling up that as a promise from God's word. We pull up a lot of other promises, but this is a promise. 
Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. That's a promise. Why is that the case? Because of verse 13. While evil people and imposters will grow from will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. So the Bible tells us that evil people will grow from bad to worse. They don't get better, they get worse. The longer we stay and a person stays in evil, the more it transforms them and, and they grow worse and worse and worse. Now, what do we make of this? What are the truths that we make of this? Well, they're found in Psalm 37. What do we do when it seems like evil is winning? Well, I see three major things that we need to remember in here. Now, I'm going to use some words as we talk about this, and I'm going to use the word always, and I'm going to use the word never. Now, whenever I was in college in a writing class, I remember a professor said, it is a rarity that a person is able to use the word always and never because we find there are always exceptions. And then someone raised their hand and they said, always exceptions. And he said, there are always exceptions. I said, well, we thought you said that there shouldn't be, the, the usage of the word always and never should not be that common. And yet you just use it. You said there are always exceptions. And he said, that's the exception. So I want us to look, though, at these truths because these truths, they are always, and some of those truths are never. And so the first one is this, evil never lasts. It always passes. Evil never lasts. It always passes. Evil is never permanent. The rule of evil, the growth of evil, the spread of evil is never permanent here on earth. Look at verse one, fret not yourself because of evildoers, be not envious of wrongdoers, for they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. They will fade like the grass. They will wither like the green herb. The other day I walked out in my, my front yard and I went to get the mail. And as I was walking back, I noticed that there was this kind of odd shaped brown spot in the front yard. And as I looked, I was, I was looking at it and trying to figure out, did, did something get sprayed there or did something go on where some pesticide or sprayed there or some, something that may have killed the grass? Was there an herbicide that somehow got sprayed? Was there a bug killer that got out there that killed the grass? And then I began to realize as I talked to some people uh, and looked at other people's lawns, these were areas where a little while ago there was a light frost in some areas and this was an area that was touched by that frost. It was kissed by that frost and it killed the grass. The grass withered. It was green before and now it's withered. Now it's turned brown. David writes, this is what happens with those evildoers. This is what happens to the wrongdoers. They wither. They, they dry up like the grass and they will soon fade. You find in Psalm 73, this same idea. Psalm 73, verse 2, but as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped, for I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. The psalmist says, I, whenever I looked and I saw how the wicked were prospering, when I saw how the, the arrogant were doing so well, when I saw how evil seemed to be winning, my foot almost slipped. I almost began to have some doubts. 
But we also find this in Psalm 92. Same idea again. Psalm 92, 7. That though the wicked sprout like grass and all evildoers flourish, they are doomed to destruction forever. The only future for those who stand in opposition of God is eternal destruction. That's it. Charles Spurgeon had a wonderful quote about evildoers in the world, and you can't help but, but look at Psalm 37 and think that this is what he was looking at whenever he penned these words. When we see the wicked prosper, he said, we are apt to envy them. When we hear the noise of their mirth and our own spirit is heavy, we half think that they have the best of it. That is foolish and sinful. If we knew them better, and specifically, if we remembered their end, we should pity them. Spurgeon writes that if we knew, if we remembered, not only would, would we not envy them, we would pity those who are going through life and operating without God. That, that's the ultimate end. The ultimate end is destruction. Now, does that mean, well, God can't use, God can't use bad situations. God can't use bad people when they come into our lives. No, to the contrary. The Bible's very clear that God is sovereign over all things. There is not a moment nor a molecule that escapes God's attention, but also his control. In Proverbs chapter 16, verse 4, listen to these words. The Lord has made everything for its purpose, even the wicked for the day of trouble. Everyone who is arrogant in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Be assured, he will not go unpunished. The Lord has made everything for its purpose, even the wicked for the day of trouble. God himself, God himself has, has sovereignly ordained and decreed the use of the wicked to fulfill his purposes, even for that day of trouble. Now that's hard for us to get our head around. That's hard for us to get our mind around. How could God do that? Well, we also know that evil rests completely, the responsibility rests upon humans. God doesn't create evil. God's not at fault for evil. Yet God uses evil to accomplish his purposes. Well, how can God do that, being a holy God? Because God is a perfect and all-powerful God, and God is the one who is in control of all things. Even when we don't understand it, we can understand evil never lasts. It always passes. Uh, let me give it to you a different way. No one gets away with anything. No one is going to get away with anything. God sees all, knows all, judges all. Evil never lasts. It always passes. If you drop down in Psalm 37, just a little bit further, you find these words. This is verse 35. I have seen a wicked, ruthless man spreading himself like a green laurel tree. But he passed away, and behold, he was no more. Though I sought him, he cannot be found. Mark the blameless, and behold the upright, for there is a future for the man of peace. Notice the contrast. There's a future for the man of peace. There's a future for the man or the woman who is seeking God's will and obeying God and, and is living by Christ's power within him or her. There is a future for that person. But for the wicked, there is no lasting eternal 
reward. There is no good future ahead. Why? Because evil never lasts. It always passes. Can I ask you to do something? Can I ask you to consider in your own life, in your own heart, in your own mind, what's that evil that seems to be prospering right now? What is that evil that seems to be advancing right now? What's that, that, that thing that stands opposed to God in your life right now that seems to be gaining ground? Can I tell you, based upon the Word of God, that will never last. It won't last. Evil will always pass. How can we trust that that is true? Well, let's look on at the next few verses. Verse 3, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in him and he will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. How can we trust that God, what God says about evil is true? Because God is always trustworthy and he never fails. God is always trustworthy, always trustworthy, and he never fails. Never once has God failed, never so we can trust him. This is what the psalmist writes. David writes in, in verse 3, trust in the Lord and do good. When you see evil advancing, when you see it appears that evildoers and wrongdoers are advancing and winning and gaining ground and growing and prospering and seem happy about it, you trust in the Lord and do good. You do what you know to do and you trust God and you dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Some translations say Feed on faithfulness. Find pasture in that faithfulness. Whenever you see livestock grazing, they're just grazing and eating grass. Sometimes all day long, just walking around, eating grass, staying put in that area, feeding on the grass that is given to them. And in the same way, the faithfulness, the life of faithfulness, the promises of God, we dwell in that, we live on that, we, we consume that, we, we are nurtured by that, we feed on that faithfulness, we befriend that faithfulness, we hold it close, we trust in God because he's always trustworthy, he never fails. Listen to Psalm 145 verse 15, the eyes of all look to you and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand, you satisfy the desire of every living thing. God is the one who supplies our needs. God is the one who supplies what we need for life, not only our physical lives, but our spiritual lives. God is the one who supplies all of that. So how are we to respond to him? Well, the Bible tells us, verse four, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Now that verse, is all, so often it's taken out of context and so often it is, it is used sort of by the name it and claim it uh, pastors and preachers. And, and they say, all you have to do is delight yourself in the Lord. And then you ask God for what you want and God gives it to you. That's the promise. And if you don't receive what you ask for, that means you're not delighting yourself enough in him. Well, so many times we read that word delight and we talk about, or we try to make it mean, oh, I just need to be happy in God. I just need to, I just need to, to give and I need to do this and obey him here and, and, and do these things and, and just, you know, and he's going to give me whatever I ask for. Well, that's not what it means. First of all, taken in context, 
It's talking about trusting God, dwelling in his land, befriending faithfulness, staying put before God, and delighting yourself in the Lord is the word that means to be soft toward the Lord, to be pliable. You don't have to have your own way. Another way of saying it is you are surrendered to the will of God. And when you surrender to God's will, when you surrender to God's word, then he transforms your desires and starts giving you the right desires. And then whenever you start asking him, you start asking for the right things. This does not mean you can ask for anything. It means that God does a work in your heart so that you are so closely aligned with his heart and his mind that you start asking for and desiring the things that God desires and wants for you. And so when you delight yourself in the Lord, he transforms your want-tos, and then you're able to pray in the right way. You can't pray in the right way if you're not trusting God. You can't pray and ask for the right things. You don't know the right things to ask for if you're not seeking his will. You don't know what the desires of, of your heart are, the true heart desires that come from God, if you're not spending time in God's word. And so we are to align ourselves with God. And what does God do? God meets us there and God transforms us into the image of his son. This is what Jesus talks about in John 15, verse 4. Abide in me, stay put in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, Unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. We are to stay put in Christ. We are to abide. And then what happens? John 15, 7. If you abide in me, if you're staying put in me, and my words abide in you, the truth of the word of God is, is indwelling within us, and we are relying upon the truth of the word of God to transform us. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. There's that phrase again about desires of your heart. That's the basic idea. He'll give you the desires of your heart. Here it is. Ask whatever you wish, but whatever you wish gets lined up with what God wishes. Whatever you wish is under the, the authority of what God says. And so you find that we are to commit, we're to trust in him. We delight ourselves in God. And then God acts. That's what he says. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he will act. If we trust in him, if we commit our way, if we literally, if we roll our life off onto God, we commit our way to him, we trust in him, and he will act. Isaiah 64, 4, from, from of old, no one has heard or perceived by the ear. No eye has seen a God besides you who acts for those who wait for him. So we put it all in his care, not just our circumstances. We put ourselves into his care. We ourselves, our own lives, we place ourselves in his care. And notice what happens. He brings forth, he will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Have you ever, have you ever been up before, before daybreak and you've been uh, just maybe um, outside or sitting at a window and you're watching. And little by little, almost imperceptibly, little by little, the eastern sky begins to lighten. And little by little, you go from seeing uh, just darkness to maybe some shadows to maybe some detail, but not with a lot of color. And as, as the light begins to dawn, 
the color begins to fill in, more detail fills in. David is writing in Psalm 37 that that's how God brings about our righteousness and he brings about justice. It's a little by little. We're in the midst of an evil world. Little by little, God brings forth that righteousness. Little by little, God brings forth that justice. And that's how he works. Isaiah verse 50, or chapter 50, verse 10. Who among you fears the Lord and obeys the voice of his servant? Listen to this. Let him who walks in darkness and has no light trust in the name of the Lord and rely on his God. In the midst of the darkest night, you trust in God. You trust in his word. You trust what he says. Faith is believing in exactly what God says. Faith is believing that God is absolutely trustworthy whenever he says something. That is how we are to respond to him. So evil never lasts. It always passes. God is always trustworthy. He never fails. And then finally, worry always leads to harm and peace is always available. Look at verse 7. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself. It tends only to evil. Worry always leads to harm. Peace is always available. Now, if you've talked to many people over the last few weeks, uh, maybe, maybe you've been talking to them about uh, COVID, maybe you've been talking to them about politics, maybe you've been talking to them about both of them, maybe you've been talking to them about the future or finances or economics or maybe family situations, a host of other things. You have probably found, like I have, that there can be a sense of panic. There's just this, there's a growing sense of just concern and panic and worry and, and fretting. But can I tell you, if we understand that God is sovereign and God is in control, we can be concerned without being panicky about things. This is what God's word tells us. Worry always leads to harm and peace is always available. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way. Now that's a command. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way. Don't fret. Don't worry. Now I know we say, well, that's, that's easy for this person to say. It's easy for that person to say. This is what the word of God says. Fret not yourself. He's already mentioned that same idea Early on, fret not about the evildoers and the wrongdoers. He mentions it again in verse 8, fret not yourself. He's talking about don't worry. So why can we be assured? How can we have that peace? Because we understand who God is. In Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 7, Jeremiah writes, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is in the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its root by the stream and does not fear when heat comes for its leaves remain green and is not anxious in the year of drought for it does not cease to bear fruit. Uh, someone who trusts in the Lord is like a tree that's been planted. Notice it's not the tree just came up by itself. The tree was planted. The tree is planted by the stream of water and the roots go into the stream. And so whenever drought comes, Tree's not concerned. Tree isn't worried. 
because the tree is drawing from this ever-flowing stream that has been provided for it by, by the virtue of it being planted by someone next to the stream. And whenever we're trusting in God, we are planted, we are rooted in him. And our roots go into his faithfulness. Our roots, we feed on his faithfulness. We, we draw sustenance and we draw trust and, and reliance upon him. And with that in mind, we don't worry. We may get concerned about things. There are things we need to plan for, absolutely. But we don't have to live in a life of panic. Because whenever we start doing that, we're doing what I, what I refer to as uh, reverse procrastination. That's how, that's how I consider worry. Worry is reverse procrastination. Procrastination is when you, you put off today until tomorrow. Reverse procrastination is you try to pick up tomorrow today. And so worry is reverse procrastination. This is exactly what Jesus says. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 34, Jesus says, Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. You have enough things to be concerned about, to address, to, to walk up to, and to apply God's truth to today without trying to overload today with all the concerns of tomorrow, many of which probably won't even come to fulfillment. They probably, many of the things we worry about don't even come to pass. So worry always leads to harm, and peace is always available, and that peace is available through Christ. The peace is available by trusting in God. How, do, how does that come out in our life? How do, we, how do we see that played out? The primary way we see that pr played out is through prayer. We pray. We pray about everything. Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. You find in, in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, Paul writes, do not be anxious about anything. Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute, Paul. Anything? Anything. Anything covers everything. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all of understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I've had people tell me before, they go right to verse 7, and they say, uh, you know, you just need the peace of God, which passes all understanding to guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Or maybe they'll say that about themselves. I just need that peace. And then I always ask, well, are you praying? Well, no. Well, verse six says that you're to pray. And after you pray and lay those things out before God and leave them with him, that's when the peace of God guards your mind. That's when the peace of God guards your hearts. That's when that happens. So we have to understand that worry cannot live in an atmosphere of prayer. You get into an atmosphere of prayer, of true prayer before the living God of the universe, worry can't live in that atmosphere. It can't survive in an atmosphere of prayer. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God. So we approach God prayerfully, and as we approach him in prayer, we recognize that worry cannot live in that atmosphere. And we recognize that worry always leads to harm and peace is always available. Notice verse 8. Refrain, this is in Psalm 37, refrain from anger. So don't be angry. You see evildoers succeeding. You see wrongdoers growing and prospering. Don't be angry. 
That's what the Bible says. Don't be angry. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. There's the, the low simmering kind of anger. And then there's the outburst of anger. Well, which one should we forsake? Both of them. Refrain from anger, that low-grade seething type of heat towards someone, that grudge type of heat, that, that, that deep-seated sort of quiet rage that's inside, and then forsake wrath, forsake that outburst, that outward appearance of anger. And then notice David repeats again, fret not yourself, and then adds this phrase, it tends only to evil. It tends only to evil. The only thing that worrying can lead to is more evil. Now that's a hard truth. The only thing that worry can, can attribute or can contribute to the overall situation is more evil. Worry actually increases the sum total of evil in any given situation. You think you're facing evil? You think you're facing evildoers or wrongdoers? Well, then you start worrying about it. Do you know what that does? It tends toward evil, only to evil, which means you've actually now participated in increasing the overall sum total of evil going on in that particular circumstance. I don't want to be a contributor to the overall sum total of evil. So we need to go before God and lay these things out before him and leave them with him because God is the one who gives us his peace. God is the one and that peace that God gives, that's the peace that he has. You find in Isaiah chapter 26, verse three, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Your mind needs to be stayed, needs to be founded, needs to be rooted, needs to be built upon God. And if that's the case, then nothing's going to shake it because nothing can shake your foundation. So peace is always available. Now, I'm just going to be honest with you. There have been times over the last few months, we all know, it's been really hard. There have been some times where it's been hard on each of us. It's been hard leading through this season. Because, you know, it seems like everybody has, a, has an opinion about exactly what needs to happen. And I found that many of times, a lot of the advice that people give uh, here locally and also, you know, in larger organizational aspects of it, you got a lot of advice that comes that isn't even scriptural, it's just more political. Or it's not, it's not scriptural, it's more emotional. It's, it's not scriptural, it's coming from a place of, well, this is what I think, you know. And so we, you have so many different voices that, that come at you, so many different voices that are, that are speaking these ideas, and every single one of them thinks they're absolutely right. Can I tell you, you need to go back to the Word of God. This is what I've been doing. I just go back to the Word of God. Go back over and over again to the Word of God. And don't get ahead of God. There is nothing that good, nothing good comes from getting ahead of God. So we wait on God. We trust in God. We rely upon His Word. Yeah, but what if some people don't like it? That's okay. That's, that's, not, that's not the problem. The concern is, are we following the Word of God? Are we trusting God in the midst of uncertain circumstances? Are we trusting God when it seems like evil is winning? Listen, if I did not have the trust that I have in God, the reverse of all of these points would be true. If I did not have trust in God, I would think that evil would ultimately win based upon all the evidence and based upon everything I see. 
If I, if I did not have trust in God, I would question the sovereignty of God. I would question what God was doing and if God was absolutely in control. If I did not trust God and have faith in God and have my peace rooted in God, then I would worry all the time. I don't know how people function without a relationship with Christ. I really don't. Not well, I would imagine. But with this in mind, can I just encourage you? What's that thing, what's that area that's causing you the most disturbance right now? What's that thing that is disturbing your peace the most? Can I just tell you? You can trust God with that. I don't care how big it is. I don't care how painful it is. You can trust God even with that. And if you are living a life right now and you say, you know, I can honestly say that, that I don't have that peace, that I don't have the peace that you're talking about. It can be, it can be found in Jesus and in Jesus alone. Do you, you recognize that Jesus is referred to as the Prince of Peace? He is, he is the one, and we're not just talking about peace between people. We're talking about peace of God that comes from being at peace with God. Because the problem is because of sin, we are enemies of God. We are separated from God. We are living lives apart from God. And whenever we receive Christ as our Savior, whenever we cast ourselves upon his mercy, whenever we say, God, I cannot do this myself. I trust in Jesus and trust in Jesus alone to save me. Then we receive his peace. And I'm not just talking about peace of mind, peace of heart. No, no, no. I'm saying we're no longer at enmity with God. We are now reconciled to God. We are brought close. We are brought near to him. We are brought into relationship with him where we were once enemies we are now together with him and part of his family christ demonstrates this this love for us god demonstrates his love for us and that while we were yet sinners christ died for us while we were enemies of god jesus died for us so if you've never made that decision today let me encourage you there is forgiveness to be found in jesus no matter what the sin is, no matter the depth of your sin, no matter if you say, I haven't even have a hard time forgiving myself, there is forgiveness available. You just have to ask. And Jesus came, he lived a perfect life here on earth, and he died a death, a sinner's death on the cross in our place so that we could know God, but only know God through him. He is the way, the truth, the life. There is no other way. There's no other way to the Father. There's no other way to have that peace to be reconciled to God except through the person and the work of Jesus. And the Bible says that if we ask for that forgiveness from him, he will give it to us. So would you do that today? If you've never done that, would you ask him to forgive you? Would you ask him to reconcile you to himself, to bring you near to him? Would you ask him to grant you that peace, that, that peace that lasts for all eternity. And maybe you're, maybe you're watching today or you're listening and you would say, there is something in my life that has disturbed my day-to-day -day peace, that's disturbed my peace of mind, my peace of heart. Would you just lay that before God and say, God, it seems like evil is prevailing in this sense. It seems like wrongdoers are getting ahead and prospering in this area, in this circumstance. But God, I'm going to trust you 
I'm going to befriend faithfulness. I'm going to dwell in your land. I'm going to, I'm going to stay close. I'm going to commit my way to you. I'm going to roll it off onto you. And I'm going to leave it with you. And I'm not going to fret because I'm going to trust your God. And you're going to do exactly what you're saying that you're going to do. Let's pray. Lord God, as we come before you, I know that there are people who are watching, people who are listening, and they're wrestling. They're wrestling with the seeming unstopping advance of evil in their lives. Maybe it's something very deeply personal. Maybe it's something on a larger scale that they're seeing. But Father, I pray that you, through your word, would speak truth and let them understand fully that you're in ultimate control. Help them to understand that your hand is over the situation. Help them to understand that nothing happens without your express permission. Help them to understand that you're a faithful God and help them to see that peace is always available and that evil will never last. And we're thankful that this is true and we're thankful for the peace that you give us through your son Jesus. And it's in his name we ask these things. Amen.